Revelation 12, 1 through 17. And a great sign appeared in heaven. A woman clothed with the sun, with the moon under her feet, and on her head a crown of 12 stars. She was pregnant and was crying out in birth pains and the agony of giving birth. And another sign appeared in heaven. Behold, a great red dragon with seven heads and ten horns, and on his head seven diadems. His tail swept down a third of the stars of heaven and cast them to the earth. And the dragon stood before the woman who was about to give birth, so that when she bore her child, he might devour it. She gave birth to a male child, one who is to rule all the nations with a rod of iron. But her child was caught up to God and to his throne. And the woman fled into the wilderness where she has a place prepared by God in which she is to be nourished for 1,260 days. Now war arose in heaven Michael and his angels fighting against the dragon, and the dragon and his angels fought back, but he was defeated, and there was no longer any place for them in heaven. And the great dragon was thrown down, that ancient serpent who was called the devil and Satan, the deceiver of the whole world. He was thrown down to the earth, and his angels were thrown down with him. And... I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, Now the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ have come. For the accuser of our brothers has been thrown down, who accuses them day and night before our God. And they have conquered him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. For they loved not their lives, even unto death. Therefore rejoice, O heavens, and you dwell, who dwell in them. But woe to you, O earth and sea. For the devil has come down to you in great wrath, because he knows that his time is short. And when the dragon saw that he had been thrown down to the earth, he pursued the woman who had given birth to the male child. But the woman was given the two wings of the great eagle so that she might fly from the serpent into the wilderness to the place where she is to be nourished for a time and times and half a time. The serpent poured out water like a river out of his mouth after the woman to sweep her away with a flood. But the earth came to the help of a woman, and the earth opened its mouth and swallowed the river that the dragon had poured from his mouth. Then the dragon became furious with the woman and went off to make war on the rest of her offspring, on those who keep the commandments of God and hold to the testimony of Jesus. And he stood on the sand of the sea. 
We've heard a lot already tonight, just in the lyrics of the hymns as we go through these in you know, different settings. Sometimes they just really jump out at you. You think about a little town of Bethlehem and the hopes and fears of all the years are met in you tonight, this little town and the activity that is happening there. I don't know what some of your hopes and fears are. Uh, some of your hopes maybe for this weekend or for this uh, holiday season. Maybe they're just very simple things, cooking together as a family, sitting around, reviving old traditions, telling stories. Uh, maybe a nap is your hope. Uh, it could be a variety of things. Maybe you're thinking about some gifts that you really want to give to somebody, or you might get one too. Uh, there's lots of things that we hope for. There's lots of fears. Uh, fears, reality that we face in life. For, for some reason, I was thinking about it in, in terms of D's this week, uh, not the kind of D's that you get in school. Although I did remember that one time in college I did get a D, and uh, that's a lesson to make sure you get to your classes and hand in your homework. Um, but different kinds of Ds, like disease and diagnoses that are unfavorable, uh, death uh, that comes to us all but sometimes comes in very unexpected ways in unexpected places. Uh, the, the deep, deep waters of, of divorce and unhappy marriages, um, division that we see in our politics and in our uh, getting along with one another, sometimes even in the midst of our families, siblings being divided one with the other. The hopes, the fears of all the years are met in this moment, in that moment 2,000 years ago, the moment where this baby is born of a virgin, we've heard the story, you've probably heard it before, I know some of you are more familiar with it than, than others of you, but the, the story is basically this, a, a young woman uh, is, is miraculously come upon so that she gives birth to a child. This birth is announced to, to shepherds. It's uh, foretold and announced to wise men from the east. They come, they, they worship the child. The, the shepherds come immediately that night and, and, and worship, and the angels are singing in the skies. And it, it's really an amazing moment. Uh, it's amazing for the people that are wrapped up in it at that time. Sometimes uh, it was very, uh, it, it was, from one perspective, you could look at it and you could say it was a very ordinary moment. It didn't happen in a, pass, in a palace. Uh, it wasn't announced on social media or anything like that. Uh, it was a very ordinary moment. It was in a stable. It was with shepherds, uh, just poor people, very ordinary, common uh, people, Mary and Joseph. 
But on the other hand, and this is what I want to focus on just for a moment, because we've been talking about glory these past few weeks, and we've talked about glory that is veiled, how we really long to see it, but we can't uh, in and of ourselves, how glory is revealed in the person of Jesus. He is the radiance of the Father's glory. How the glory then is unleashed in our world in a way that, that heals, heals both physically, creation, all things, but also heals us spiritually. Uh, he gives us second birth. We sang about that a little bit earlier uh, this evening. And then we talked about last week how glory is lived out, that as those who find our lives in accordance with the Lord Jesus, surrendered to him, uh, we live out his glory. But the promise is, and we saw this way back in the call to, to worship, that we will one day be presented before the presence of his glory, blameless and with great joy. And for a minute, I want us to leave sort of that earthly scene and just view it from a heavenly view. And that's why we turn to a passage like Revelation 12. Because Revelation 12 is telling from a different perspective what is happening when that child is born in a manger. What is happening when the Son of God comes down to earth, takes on human flesh? What is happening? And it is big, dramatic. You know, it's true, we can say how silently, how silently. But it wasn't silent in the cosmos. Because there was a war that was going on. Here we have this depiction, and this is what we call apocryphal literature, and uh, there's lots of pictures and signs, and I don't have time to go into all of these tonight. But I want us to just see a couple of things. Uh, there are a few signs that we can see. We can see the woman giving birth. We can see the male child. We recognize the figures of that. We see the dragon. We recognize that, that this is evil. This is the one who is generating all those fears. This is the one who is responsible for the deeds of disease and devastation and divorce and death and division, all of those things. Uh, we, we see these actors, and what we realize is that there is a rousing conflict that is going on. This is one of the things, so if you're a note taker, that's your first point, rousing conflict. Uh, but this is one of the things that is so good about the Christian story. You know, there, there is an answer to the junk that we face in this world. There is an answer to why is it that the people I love get sick? Why is it that relationships are so doggone hard? Why is it that the people that I love die? Why is it that our country is divided over politics? Why is it that we see wars and rumors of wars around this world? Why is it? Well, it's because there is a conflict going on. It is between Satan, the dragon. It is between God and the son, the male child. It is a, a conflict that has existed all the way back from the time that, that Satan was cast out of heaven. And it will exist all the way until the time when Satan is finally shut up forever and ever and ever. 
And we're somewhere in the middle of that conflict. We're in the middle of this conflict where we can see, and this is the second point, that there has been a convincing, a decisive victory. Uh, this male child that was born, Satan was unable to take that child. The dragon was unable to devour uh, that little one. And, and the child was taken away to heaven. In the meantime, Satan was dealt a mighty blow. A mighty blow. Uh, where he was cast down and, and he, was, uh, he was conquered. We see that he was conquered by Michael and his angels fighting against, uh, fighting against the dragon. Uh, he was defeated. There was no longer any place for them. And then we see again a little bit later on the salvation, the kingdom, the, or the salvation, the power, the kingdom of our God, the authority of the Christ, of, our, of his Christ has come. For the accuser of our brothers has been thrown down and they have conquered him by the blood of the Lamb. And this is the central event in history. This is why the hopes and fears of all the years are met in this one night. Because it wasn't just that God humbled himself and, and came to earth as, as a tiny baby wrapped in human flesh. But it's the purpose for which he came. The purpose for which he came was exactly this. There was a battle to be fought. There was a victory to be won. And it was only going to, be ha it was only going to happen as the blood of the Lamb was shed. That was the thing that was going to conquer Satan. And so as we come to the birth, the incarnation of Jesus, we, we realize that wrapped up into it is his death and his resurrection and his ascension. So these things all take place sort of sequentially you know, from an earthly perspective, but from a heavenly perspective, it's all happening. And it's all happened, and it is done. The, the devil has been defeated. The accuser of the brethren has been cast down. This is why Christmas is good news. Like I, I think about you know, what it is that we do. We get together, and we exchange gifts, and we exchange pleasantries, and we revive traditions, and we share stories, and we do all of these things. But why do we do it? Is it just to have a rhythm of life? Is it just to have a time when we can get away from all of the hustle and bustle and we can do, have that time? Or is there something deeper? And there is something deeper. And, and this is what we are being told is the deeper thing. Revelation 12 gives us that top-down view, so to speak, that helps us see uh, that there is real important stuff going on in a world that's involved in a rousing conflict, but with a reality that is seen an absolutely convincing victory. So what does that mean for you and for me this Christmas Eve 2019? I want to give you two other things, and I, and I hope 
uh, you know, one of the things that I pray for is that the, the Spirit just opens our hearts in some way, and we, we soak up something that He's trying to tell us. I know that's always my prayer as I'm studying and praying through these things for myself, but I also pray it for you. In light of the fact that Jesus has won a decisive victory, I want to suggest to you two things. And the first one is this, that there's an open book. There is an open book. First of all, we're going to read in just a minute from Revelation chapter 5, and, and you're going to see that there is a scroll in heaven. And, and what is this scroll? This, this scroll is the unfolding of human history. And, and the great question of heaven, is there, is there anyone who is worthy to open that scroll? And the answer comes back, yes, there is one. It's the lion of the tribe of Judah. It's this male child who, who was born and who was rescued and who defeated Satan. He is the one that was worthy to open the scroll. He is the one that now holds not only the keys of death and hell, but he holds the keys to our, our history. He holds the keys to the things that will come from this point on. And brothers and sisters, that is good news. In the face of division and diagnoses and death and all of those things, to know that this one, this lamb who was born, whose blood was shed, who overcame the great dragon, to know that he was worthy to open the scrolls, it gives us the hope that we need to go forward. Our hope is not in political leaders. Our hope is not in our own wisdom. Our hope is not in doctors and physicians. Our hope is not in all of these things. But our hope is in the one who is worthy. Our hope is in the one who has the key to the scroll of history. Secondly, though, with that, with regards to the open book, is that there is another book in heaven. This time it's not uh, the scroll uh, of all human interactions, but this time it's a book that's known as the Lamb's Book of Life. We see it in Revelation 21, 27. Nothing unclean will ever enter into it, the new Jerusalem, nor anyone who does what is detestable or false, but only those who are written in the Lamb's book of life. Some of you will remember Jesus' words uh, to the disciples after they had been out on this uh, great sort of speaking um, missionary miracle tour. Uh, he says, don't rejoice that you saw heaven, Satan fall. Don't rejoice that you see the lame walk and the blind healed. Don't rejoice over those things, which is really an interesting thing to say. I think if any of us had gone out on that kind of uh, speaking, healing tour, we would be rejoicing. But Jesus comes back and he says, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. 
And, and this is one of the things that we see wrapped up in this baby in a cradle so many years ago. We recognize that the hopes and fears of all the years, those, those big things that are out there, uh, wars and rumors and wars, disease, division, divorce, all of those things that are, are, are on our minds and on our hearts and maybe pressing into our lives even tonight. Jesus is also concerned about the very intimate and the very relational thing of your soul. When we see the little one in the baby or in the manger, we know that he came to shed his blood to do something that we could never do. And that is reconcile ourselves with God. If we take just a minute, and I know not everybody here is a regular churchgoer and maybe not even accustomed to thinking in these things, or maybe you think these thoughts and they overwhelm you, but if you take just a minute and you think about the smallest of peccadilloes, little sins, to the, the largest mistakes that you have ever made, how are you going to make up for that? How are, how are you going to clean the slate? Are you just going to do more and more good things? There are two things the Scripture tells us. The first is that you can't. You, you never could do it. You never could do enough. You couldn't do enough good things to overwhelm the record. You could never balance your own books. You could never wipe your own slate clean. That's one thing. But the second thing that the Scriptures tells us is that Jesus has done it. The hopes and fears of all the years are met in Him tonight. You see, that is what he came to do from the very biggest of world problems down to the most intimate thing of our relationship, the relationship of our souls to God. And you see, there is a, there's a book now that, that has names written on it. That, that when, they, when they die and when they pass through the gates, they come into it, going all the way back to Jude, they are going to be welcomed, blameless, and with great joy. This is the best news of Christmas that we could have. This is the absolute height of jubilation, of victory, of vindication, of release, whatever name you want to put on it, of healing, of restoration, of redemption. This is what Jesus came to do. And this is the promise of glory forever. Your name written in the Lamb's book of life. Now, it is both hard and easy to find your name written there. It's hard because your tendency is going to be to prove yourself. 
Your tendency is going to be to prove yourself righteous, to, to do more things, to grade on a curve, to say, well, at least I'm better than this other person. Your tendency is going to want to be, it's just the way we are. We want to earn it. We want to deserve it. We want to merit it. But Jesus says, you can't. I've done it. It is finished. And, and what is required is surrender. What is required is belief, faith, not just an intellectual assent. And I know that some of you may be there tonight. Say, well, yeah, I believe in Jesus, but I just am not prepared to live for him right now. I'm doing my own thing. Well, that's not faith. That's some sort of intellectual assent. It's not surrender like the Bible talks about. But that's an invitation because, and this is where I want to end, great jubilation. I, I think one of the things that I have had to get my mind around personally with Jude and, and those verses is the idea that when Andrew makes his uh, entrance into heaven, He's going to be presented blameless. I can sort of understand that. I've spent enough years in the Scripture to understand substitutionary atonement, and I can sort of get that, and I feel like God is a God of His Word. He's a God of character. He sort of owes that because that's the way He set it up, and I, I sort of get that part. But it's the blameless with great joy part that I think that I just have such a hard time seeing because I know myself and I know my heart. And I know how far short I fall day after day after day. But when we see the picture of the baby in a manger and all of that's going on in heaven and the decisive victory and the scroll that is open and the book that is now legible, and we hear the promise, blameless, and with great joy, all of the, the sweet honey of the gospel comes dripping out because we see so clearly that it's not about us, but it is indeed about that baby in a manger. And so, brothers and sisters, may your hearts resound with the joy just a flicker maybe now, but the joy that will go on and on and on to the glory of God forever and forever and forever. And may it not just be, you know, pie in the sky and the sweet by and by, but may it truly transform how you live in the here and now. Because the verdict is in, it is done, it is finished. Surrendered to Jesus, you belong to Him. And you are loved by Him. If that's not your experience, the invitation is always to come. Come, buy, buy wine and milk without money and without cost. Eat from the richest affair. That's how Isaiah put it. But that is what is on offer this Christmas Eve. Jesus Christ came to defeat Satan, to open the book in order that your 
name might be written in the Lamb's book of life. He is indeed worthy. As we come to the Christ candle this Christmas Eve, we take our candles and we light them in testimony of the fact that the world that is wrapped in darkness has seen a great light. And so I'm going to invite you to, to come and from various parts of the sanctuary, light your candles after I read Revelation 5. <laughs> so excited about the candles. <laughs> Just want to burn something. No, I'm... <laughs> Let's read Revelation 5. He is the light of the world. He is the one who is worthy. This is the glory forever as we journey. Then I saw on the right hand of him who was seated on the throne a scroll written within and on the back sealed with seven seals. And I saw a mighty angel proclaiming with a loud voice, Who is worthy to open the scroll and break its seals? And no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth was able to open the scroll or to look in. And I began to weep loudly because no one was found worthy to open the scroll or to look into it. And one of the elders said to me, Weep no more. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has conquered so that he can open the scroll and its seven seals. And between the throne and the four living creatures and among the elders, I saw a lamb standing as though it had been slain with seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth. And he went and he took the scroll from the right hand of him who was seated on the throne. And when he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb, each holding a harp and golden bowls of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sang a new song, saying, Worthy are you to take the scroll, to open its seals. For you were slain, and by your blood you ransomed people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. And you've made them a kingdom and priests to our God, and they shall reign on the earth. And then I looked, and I heard around the throne and the living creatures and the elders the voice of many angels, numbering myriads and thousands of thousands, saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. And I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and in the sea and all that is in them saying to him who sits upon the throne and to the Lamb, be blessing and honor and glory and might forever and ever. Amen.